With your help, we can continue to fight for freedom, reach new audiences, and bring important information to the public free of charge. This is not possible without your generosity. Join our quest for the truth and our freedom and donate today. Simply go to tntradio.live. The conversation continues with Sonia Poulton on today's News Talk TNT. And hello, wonderful world. How are you today? I hope you are magnificent in the chat, on X, on Instagram, on YouTube and on Rumble. I want to thank you so much to the amazing response that we received yesterday to the interview with pharmacist Graham Atkinson. That was just been absolutely incredible. Many people expressing deep sorrow for the passing of Graham's mum the day before the interview. But Graham had said to me, I want to do the interview. I don't want the last four years ever to repeat. Really quite a phenomenal individual. And uh, today we'll be talking with another NHS whistleblower in the shape of a paramedic who was on duty during COVID. And he's absolutely appalled at TV's depiction of paramedics during COVID. But first, what sort of show would this be without discussion of the passing of Baron Jacob Rothschild, who was reported to have died yesterday? Now, I say he was reported to have died yesterday because with that amount of money, you can be incredibly mysterious. So we believe he died yesterday, and that's certainly what they're telling us. Now, in my world, the passing of a Rothschild is absolutely huge. This is a man who is part of one of the richest families in the whole wide world, a man whose family's name is linked to so many issues that have been reported to have negatively impacted our world. Other than Rockefellers, is there a family name more synonymous with conspiracies of world power and dominance than the Rothschilds? Of course, to say it these days immediately results in one being called anti-Semitic, but it's not anti-Semitic if it's true, right? The Rothschilds have long been associated with really quite dreadful things, depopulation, New World Order, to their absolute role of creating a Zionist state in Israel. Money, art, controversial hunting parties, properties, lover of satanic imagery, all things that surround the Rothschilds. Well, as I say, yesterday we heard official word of the passing of Baron Jacob Rothschild. No cause of death was given, given he was 87, so we can all be assured that he's enjoyed a very long and privileged life. For as long as I can remember, the Rothschilds have been leading bankers and financiers of war. Rothschild, in case you didn't know, is German for Red Shield. Their story effectively began in Germany in the 17th century with Mayor Rothschild as a coin dealer. He became the money manager for princes and governments. He created a Rothschild bank and sent each of his five sons across Europe, including to Paris, London and Naples to set up banking. The London branch turned out to be the most successful during Napoleonic Wars. It was Nathan Rothschild who funded almost entirely the British war effort. Um, by 1800s, Rothschilds had become the richest family in Europe, and the five brothers had been given the titles Baron, just as Jacob Rothschild later was. The Rothschilds also frequently marry each other. Historically, a number of Rothschilds have married cousins, presumably to keep it in the family. The Rothschilds were also famously involved in the secret services, most notably Victor Rothschild, who was in MI5 during World War II. He was accused of being a Soviet spy. He advised a number of British prime ministers, including Margaret Thatcher. Victor Rothschild was Jacob's father, the Jacob, who's just died. 
Jacob is the fourth and most senior male descendant of Mayor Rothschild. It is Jacob who is most notably linked to conspiracies. In fact, the character Mr. Burns from The Simpsons was said to be based on Jacob. The current Rothschilds have also married into other influential families, such as the Guinnesses, the Hiltons and the Goldsmiths. And some academics believe that the Rothschilds' power is long past, that their true period of shaping society was in the 19th century when they were more influential in politics. But I'm not convinced because the name alone carries substantial weight as they grow up. You know, Rothschilds entering the world, they are already born into great privilege as they grow up. Their very presence shapes people and situations around them. That's what money does, and old money particularly so. So Jacob Rothschild is dead, and a million stories will now emerge about him. Here's mine. I once bumped into him. Some background. Myself and a camera team were waiting in Harley Street in central London, a street notably linked to doctors. We were actually waiting outside of a creditor's hearing for a company that had gone bust and we were waiting for the people involved to emerge. And then lo and behold, out of the next door comes Baron Jacob Rothschild. And it was actually my cameraman, Lee, who spotted him first. This clip we're going to show you is of Baron Rothschild heading towards his chauffeur-driven car. It's parked a little way along the road. And I instinctively called out, Mr. Rothschild. And despite being about 100 yards ahead, he turned round and walked back to me. And well, so basically, I'm just saying to him, Mr. Rothschild, uh, can I have a word with you? And he's like, well, what about? And I'm like, can we talk about austerity? Because at that time, there was this big austerity program going on, and we all knew it was linked to the banks. And he was like, oh, I'm afraid I don't know much about that. And I'm like, but you're a Rothschild, you know about these things. And then he he's like, who are you who are you recording for? And then we're like, we're independent. And he's not interested in that because obviously he can't control us being independent. You can see him walking away here. And that is after my cameraman has suggested to him that he may have knowledge of depopulation and uh, other such issues. So as I say, sorry that you couldn't hear the audio, but one of those things. Um, but as I say, that is my story involving Baron Jacob Rothschild. And on that note, I'm going to bring in Gemma Cooper. The facts, no spin or agenda. Not enough with the lies, we need the facts. This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. It is indeed today's News Talk Radio, and this is indeed Gemma Cooper. Hello, Gemma. Hi there, Sonia. Yeah, we were talking yesterday, weren't we? Yesterday afternoon, you and I, we exchanged a few messages about the demise and the passing of uh, of Jacob Baron Jacob Rothschild the fourth Baron and I did make a joke didn't I and it is a joke because I know Mike you know he wants me to do breaking news and not speculation or conspiracy but I did say has he died or has he shape shifted into another dimension that's a joke as a joke as a joke I but, thought it was I mean, really sure... funny <laughs> thank you thank you but I'm sure you know I'm sure you've seen that meme doing the rounds it's been everywhere since since uh since Jacob Rothschild died yesterday and it's that scene from the Dark Crystal uh, and you've got the the Skeksis the um, kind of lizard type beings and one of them's dying on his deathbed and the meme doing the rounds is Jacob Rothschild surrounded by his family moments before he died. I mean, it did raise a <laughs> chuckle with me and I know it's gone absolutely viral. So we'll, we'll leave it at that. You know, we'll, we'll just leave it at that. It's a, it's a Tuesday. Let's have some fun. But if you haven't seen it yet, go and go and check it out. It is, it's worth a laugh. It's worth a laugh. For sure. For sure. But there's big news in our world though, really, you know, the Rothschilds, they dominate a lot of our world and, and the issue of conspiracies as well. But there's no denying that they have had substantial power in history. The question really, I think, is whether they still have that power. And lots of academics tell me, no, they don't. But their name carries weight, doesn't it, Gemma? 
Yeah. And also, you know, how do the academics know? You know, how do those academics know that the, the official version of events and the real version of events, as we, we know on TNT, are often diametrically opposed and so much power and influence goes on behind closed doors. And I think the point you raise, actually, as we're talking about the Rothschild dynasty, is they do keep it in the family. They marry cousins and second cousins. They marry other influential families. Now, you know, I'm sure if we researched bloodlines of those particular families. It's much like the royal family. You know, I don't think it was any coincidence when Kate and, and William got married. There were loads of headlines in the UK, you know, revealing that they were distantly related. When Harry married Meghan, it was the same thing. They're linked somewhere by one of her great, 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 great grandmothers. They are distantly related, but bloodline is bloodline. Um, and uh, that is no coincidence. And marrying into these other very influential dynasties, I think is absolutely deliberate and does keep power centralized in these big elite very, very rich families. So I think it's a bit disingenuous for academics to say, oh, no, their power is gone. Who funded those academics? Who paid for those academics to say that? You know, <laughs> I think the power is still very much at the upper echelons of society personally. Um, and, and I do think the raft of headlines yesterday afternoon in the UK that came out uh, after his family released the news that he died um, do show that that name, as you rightly say, still carries a huge amount of power and influence. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, as one of my friends says, dynasties don't die, they just multiply. And I think there's a good point to that. Absolutely. So uh, Gemma, talk to us. What are you here to, to talk about today? Well, my remit is breaking news and not scenes from the dark crystal and and, and lizards <laughs> and all of that kind of stuff. Uh, funny oh. though it is. <laughs> I know, right? Um, yeah, so uh, today we have uh, the shadow education secretary just about to launch plans in a few hours' time to tackle what, what la the Labour Party says as we go into a general election year is a huge and growing and very definite problem of misogyny in the classroom. And it's a problem they're saying that affects teachers, and fe young female pupils. Uh, they have done a lot of research uh, and looked at Ofsted, which is the government uh, watchdog for education. They've looked at a series of Ofsted reports going back to 2017 and onwards. And they say that, you know, they were hearing and reporting no, no incidents of sexual assault, sexual harassment, or safeguarding issues before 2017. Suddenly since 2017, there's been a huge spike in the number of incidents of sexual harassment, sexual abuse, and safeguarding in teachers and in pupils. Now, this may be down to a way that Ofsted maybe changed reporting those types of incidents. I find it hard to believe that they didn't exist at all uh, before 2017. But uh, Labour have analysed the figures and said this is a growing scourge in education, which is going to have huge implications for society as these pupils grow up, become adults, leave school uh, and go into the workplace. Uh, they're blaming Labour Party uh, social media. They are citing influencers like Andrew Tate, which obviously is a very, very controversial and divisive figure. But he obviously does take a certain stance on relationships between men and women. And the Labour Party is saying it's not having a good influence on young boys. Uh, and today, Labour Party are setting out their stall in a general election year. I mean, obviously, the Labour Party aren't in power yet, but they want to be. And this is one of their key policies. So the Shadow Education Secretary will say that she wants to have regional improvement teams uh, for education. She wants younger younger boys to be coached by older boys, uh, which I think is quite a controversial thing, but that's what they want. So the older boys will tell younger boys what's acceptable and what's not. I'm not sure how that will be policed and monitored. Uh, but here's the, here's the crux of this one. They also want more protection uh, from online hate and misinformation, uh, and they want to clamp down 
on what kids can see online. This is obviously linking into the online hate bill and they want more stringent controls uh, with what can be seen on the internet. That has ramifications then for the rest of us, obviously. This, these plans are backed by all the main teaching unions in the UK. They're big, these unions, and they've got lots of members, thousands of members. Uh, and they say, absolutely, these plans are needed in the classroom to protect teachers and pupils, female pupils. Uh, and they, they also say it's the digital aspect of what's going on in, in schools now with phones and what people can see online that is the crux of this. Now, we know, we know that mobile phones are ostensibly being banned in, in classrooms and in break times now across the UK under new government guidance. It's not legislation, uh, but this, it is a bit of a sinister one, this. You know, they want to clamp down on what can be seen online. They've used the words online hate. We have the online hate bill already. Uh, we might see a few tightenings of that. And that, as I say, that could affect all of us, all in the name of being safe, you know, safe, Sonia. So it all comes back to censorship, doesn't it, Gemma? How bloody damn convenient. You know, the thing that worries me, of course, is that, yeah, Andrew Tate, not a great character, clearly. I mean, we've seen lots about him. But for them to want to, you know, pin things on him, I think completely denies what has been going on for at least 20, 30 years. And that there has been a breakdown of our family unit in the Western world. We absolutely know that unquestionably. You know, there are many households that are growing up without fathers. These boys are growing up without decent male influences. And that surely has to be looked at. And uh, and I, I really worry when they want to pin it on, you know, like controversial characters, because his history, actually, he has a great deal of respect for his father. Andrew Tate as one example, and I'm certainly not an Andrew Tate apologist, absolutely not. But I have watched him. I have seen what he has had to say and, you know, completely respected his father, a chess giant. And so I just, I, I worry about these things, Gemma. And at the end of it, as you say, so rightly say, look what it's leading to. It's more clamping down of our freedom of speech. And what people can see online, that really concerns me. I'm just not convinced by this. No, I, I was, you know, ostensibly reading it and thinking, you know, I'm, I'm a woman and I've experienced a few things in my life, especially when I was a young woman. And I, I always think anything protects that young women and girls is a good thing. It is. Sure. Uh, we are vun we're vulnerable by design. We're vulnerable by our biology. You know, we're not as big and strong as men. We are vulnerable in certain situations. And I've experienced a few things in my life myself. So I, I read, started reading and then I thought, oh, here's the clincher on you know, online hate, disinformation. Here's the clincher with this one. Um, and I've no doubt the intentions are good, but it's it's that creeping kind of uh, let's try and go around the edges. Let's go and tr try and go around the back door. And so many of us in the so-called freedom movement, you know, knew that the the clamping down of what we can see online would be dressed up as protecting children, protecting the vulnerable. And and you know there is a fine line to be trod with that. But you know once you start talking about regulating uh, disinformation, well, who's who's deciding on the disinformation? Who's deciding what's safe and what's not? You know, and suddenly you find you can't see anything. This is a big, this is a thin end of a very big wedge, I think. However, you know the, the figures do speak for themselves. The growing incidence of sexual abuse, sexual harassment, and safeguarding issues are on the rise. But they say you know since 2017, that's not that long ago. I, I find it very difficult to believe that these weren't happening prior to 2017 right. it might just be that we're, we're hearing more about them now which you know mm -hmm. problem reaction solution which we talk about a lot on this show here's the problem misogyny in classrooms let's have a reaction do something about it or clamp down on online safety that's that's my take on this but the plans will be announced in more detail in a few hours time 
And, and it's a brilliant take. And I just think Labour, once again, they all like, love playing party politics, don't they? Because Labour is the one party that can't actually tell you what a woman is. And yet they want to clamp down on misogyny. Absolutely ridiculous. This has been Tuesday's edition with the rather wonderful Gemma Cooper. I will be right back. TNT's David Curtin. The noise about this is not out of any genuine concern for Navalny himself or his family. But this has been weaponized in order to bash Putin. And it seems that the media, the mainstream media, and the politicians in the West, the powers that be, have got what I would call Putin derangement syndrome, which follows on after Brexit derangement syndrome and Trump derangement syndrome. Something is happening in the world that they don't like they can't control, they've lost control of the narrative, they've lost control of what they want to happen. And what they want to do by this, by bashing Putin in the mainstream media, is to prolong this terrible war in Ukraine. David Curtin on today's News Talk TNT. This is generally the view of people, oh, we don't know much about Assange. Well, you should know, because whether you know it or not, he is fighting for you. For your courage and leadership and tenacity in journalism and publishing. Since 2010, Assange has been held in progressively narrower, darker, colder and crueler spaces. He has been detained since the 7th of December 2010 in one form or another. And we are now here after years of imprisonment. WikiLeaks is a non-state hostile intelligence service. I think the man is a high-tech terrorist. A high-tech terrorist. A traitor, a treasonous. He has to answer for what he has done. Assange faces up to 175 years in prison for publishing classified documents exposing U.S. war crimes. The U.S. government narrative about Julian is a complete fraud. It is a complete fraud from A to Z. Julian took on the most powerful countries in the world, basically all of them. We now have confirmed that there were plans to kidnap Julian here in the center of London or even assassinate him. No one who instigated that illegal and immoral war has been brought to justice. But the great truth teller sits behind bars. If wars can be started by lies, peace can be started by truth. Julian Assange is a hero. What if everything we thought we knew about somebody was a lie? Would we be willing to go on a new journey of understanding? This is a story of deception, lies, bravery, and a man who risked everything to bring the truth to light. Mr. Assange shows all the symptoms that are typical for a person that has been exposed to psychological torture over a prolonged period of time. He looked at me intensely and said, I hate to say this. He then hesitated, visibly troubled and searching for words. And then he finally said, please save my life. May future generations have the ability to speak without restraint. May our children and their children know truth and have access to information that leads to justice. Wherever Julian goes, free speech goes with him.
If there is a bird that is about to take flight, stretch her wings and rule the skies, may it be a peace dove and no longer a bald eagle. If you think Assad is a traitor, he's a rapist, he's a narcissist, he's a hacker, I don't blame you because you have been deceived. And if you think you've not been deceived, that's normal because otherwise it wouldn't be deception. TNTradio.live. Online. Online. Online streaming. Be a part of the conversation. I stream it all at work and I stream it to my phone and listen to it wherever I go. TNT. You can find us everywhere on a multitude of platforms. And if you like what we're doing and you're able to support us, there are indeed a multitude of ways to do so. You can donate to today's news talk, TNT. Just go to tntradio.live. Then the donate button is at the top of the page by the contact details. You can also buy merchandise at the TNT store. If you are unable to financially support us, then you can support us by joining the conversation, sharing our shows and playback links, posting about TNT on social social media and telling everybody how fabulous we are. There are numerous ways to show your support and love for today's News Talk TNT. And we appreciate every last bit of it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Now, I am absolutely delighted to be joined by my next guest because I promised that this was a conversation that we would be continuing. He is Pele Nera Taylor. He is a journalist, filmmaker, political writer, author, and he is also a TNT host. Good morning to you. Morning, Sonia. How are you? Well, I'm, I'm grand, thank yeah. you. So good to have you back again. We'd had a conversation recently and you have such a wealth of information about, well, a multitude of, of subjects. Mm. And one of the things that you know a great deal about and I know even less about is the deep state. And obviously with the passing of Baron Jacob Rothschild, this seemed to me like the absolute perfect time to have that conversation about the deep state. Am I over emphasizing the power of Baron Jacob Rothschild in regard to the deep state? Not necessarily. Um, I tend to, in my research, I tend to focus on intelligence agencies and politicians and diplomats. And that's usually what's meant by the deep state. It's, it's a purposefully vague phrase because it sort of means, I mean, that's not a cover up. It's, it's a lot of, um, I think it was, a, it was a friend of mine who, who says he coined it back in the 80s and he borrowed it from the Turkish Turkish debate because the, the, the Turks were always had run by these military governments that took over the politicians when the politicians mismanaged things. And that was a phrase deep state. And the deep state then became imported into Western discourse. He says by himself, I don't know. But then a couple of spy books wrote about it. And then I think um, deep state became a sort of phrase that was adopted after Trump came into power to to represent exactly. all the forces. And it could be, I took it to be intelligence agencies and uh, diplomats and maybe even powerful businessmen or something, but it could be the, the Rothschilds. I mean, there are different ways of slicing and dicing the world. And I've probably in, in common with a lot of people who study intelligence agencies underestimate the power of money, you know, because we're not rich ourselves. We think that other people, money, money doesn't matter that much, but money does make the world go round. So I'm quite open, but th there is a sort of disconnect. A lot of the um, serious sort of uh, cold war post new cold war spy writers and so on very seldom talk about the Rothschilds. Whereas if you go into davidike.com, you know, um, the guy who thinks we're all 
populated by lizards uh, in our heads or something. He's all over the place there. So I just don't know what to say. I mean, it's quite it's quite possible. Um, I was um, I, the, the the traditional obits about Jacob Rothschild have him as a sort of um, I don't know pencil necked philanthropist, you know, a, co- right. a cautious <laughs> guy been under the yeah <laughs> under been under under the weight of his uh, domineering father Victor Rothschild, who was uh, accused of being the fifth man, you know, a KGB spy, and so on, and then. Uh, but uh, and the attention really focused on his cousin Evelyn Rothschild, who uh, was the chairman of the Economist, and whose wife was uh, implicated in in the Epstein. So I don't know if you want to talk about the Jacob particularly because I not, nothing I looked at came up. Uh, I looked at some of the less traditional websites and I looked at Google Books, which has every writ- word written in the English language, and nothing came up. I mean, except relatively good things, you know. Um, but what? Well, what, 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 what do you think? I mean, where, where do you want to go with this? Well, yeah. so so well, let's do a breakdown of what's going on regarding yeah. the deep state. So I have a very basic working understanding. Yeah. Of it. My understanding of deep state is we have this visible layer of governance, one supposedly elected democratically, but then there are these other layers where there are secret networks who are truly the sort of power behind the throne. Is that yeah. a fair description? Yes, it is. Uh, but it depends on what means it's it's meant by a network because is um, powerful people network all the time. I mean, they, they and um, we uh, mustn't. Uh, on the other hand, I mean, we, we're playing us normal people, journalists representing kind of normal people. We're not really sort of rich people ourselves. I think we're allowed to speculate because we've got the odds stacked against us. Uh, we don't have access to those networks, you know, and so if we seem like conspiracy theorists that's because we're desperately trying to find out the truth on the other hand i guess networks i mean is somebody you met at a cocktail party part of a network you, you can sort of do these links that connect virtually everyone I, I in the world you. you know i hear yeah. you let so me I just park that yeah. let me just park that there mm. two sex pelle where we just go to some news headlines we will be straight back and we will unpack what the deep state is great news the news we have news great news great news great news great news my friends yeah. Listen. TNT Radio News. Matt Boyland here with a look at your TNT headlines. US President Joe Biden has told reporters that he is hopeful a ceasefire in Gaza will be reached by the end of the week. My hope is by next Monday we'll have a ceasefire. Riot police have clashed with angry farmers in Belgium as they surrounded the European Union headquarters in Brussels. And the Supreme Court in the Australian state of Queensland has ruled the government's COVID vaccine mandates put in place for police and ambulance workers were unlawful. Don't miss a thing. Be sure to download the TNT radio app from either the Apple App Store or Google Play so you can easily listen live to us anywhere, anytime. Available right now to download. Keeping you up to speed on TNT radio. I'm here with Pele Nereth-Taylor, and we are discussing the deep state. Now, you may only have heard this out of the mouths of Trump, but actually it, it exists. It's very real. Even Wikipedia acknowledge the deep state because people used to say it was all conspiracy, didn't they, Pele? Yeah, I think so. I mean, conspiracy theory is a, is a terrible word because, and it's deliberately, it's used by half Half wits, you know, as it were, the, the, the midwits, the people with Nike of around 110 or something, and they have good yeah. positions maybe in society, and they want to put someone down, you know, oh, you're a conspiracy theorist. But it lumps together things that are not true, together with things that could be true, uh, and uh, you just have to investigate, and things that are pr- true, you know, like 
I don't think we're lizard people inside our heads, but I do think that Kennedy was assassinated by the, the CIA and not by a, a single. I hear so, you. But, it was yeah. the CIA who invented the term conspiracy exactly, theorist anyway, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah, with the yeah. idea of obviously demonizing those of us who are critical thinkers. You just said something really interesting to me in the break. Of course, Emmanuel Macron of France, graduate yeah. of the Rothschilds. What were you just saying yeah. to me about him? Well, I mean, let, let's um, we, we say, we say, is the Rothschilds the cause of world? I mean, they say they ran the central banks in the 18th century. The Jews, obviously, from Khazaria, some people say, and they, they're destroying the world. OK, that does sound like conspiracy theory. You say it doesn't have an explanatory value and it's the sort of thing you can dismiss. But then, you know, along comes uh, Emmanuel Macron, the president of France, who basically France haven't been quiet in this uh, war against Ukraine. One of the quietest members, one of the least funding members, and very low profile for a country like France, which likes to stand on a crow on a dung heap. Um, they are now basically declared war on Russia. I mean, I followed the Ukrainian war very, 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 very closely, and I thought that it was going to the World War Three would start with a false flag, maybe by MI6, you know, an assassination of a Russian leader or something. But now uh, France said yesterday we might send in troops. To uh, to Ukraine, and so they, they they don't need an excuse. It's not like oh, we're going to wait for an attack. We're going to have someone assassinated and then blame it on the Russians or something. No, they're just going to put in troops there, which is, I mean, what I'm saying is the world could end in a few months' time. This is an existential clash. It's much more serious than than uh, COVID or woke culture or anything like that. Because you know this, our lives going to change after this if this comes true. If it's not just uh, Macron bullshitting. You know, we're going to go into war. We're going to have trucks down our streets. We're going to have sirens. We're going to have, I mean, this is really, really serious stuff. Um, and the big, the British press, the British press haven't gone, haven't gone big on it because I think that they support Macron. And they're, I mean, it's this uh, frog boiling uh, theory that you, you, Macron says, we're not going to exclude it. Uh, and so it's placed it there before the world public. It's, it's lower down on a BBC piece. But then in a two weeks time, right. it's going to be. right. Frog boy. Anyway, the point is about Macron to, to, to link back. He's actually a Rothschild graduate. I mean, Rothschild ran, run banks in the UK and in France. And uh, a lot of the French elite, uh, I think several presidents had Rothschild uh, employments. And he had a meteoric career, no political background. So if you're looking for conspiracy, I mean, if what I mean, when the bombs are falling, you don't care whether it was Rothschild who employed him or whether it right. was the French intelligence or whatever. So, I mean, it's going to become a moot point anyway. Um, that might be a cause. I don't know if, if Rothschild, um, because in one one website I read, said that Rothschilds, along with other central bankers, uh, dislike Russia because Russia, I don't know about, much about economics, but uh, it's kind of break tried to break free from the World Bank central bank tyranny that we allegedly controls us all and of course russia's rich in resources and putin was giving two fingers to that so you know i don't know i, I mean maybe what is control maybe, maybe there's just a cocktail party gossip maybe he's just I, I i just don't know but if you're looking for something he was a rothschild graduate and he's the man who's taken a definitive step towards world war three which will destroy us all and which is uh, you interesting know, on the day that yeah. uh a very senior rothschild, oh, rothschild death was dies yeah and, and I mean, I mm -hmm. saw stuff about Jacob Rothschild alluded to some kind of satanic past. And and I don't know all this Epstein Island stuff. I haven't followed it that closely. But I mean, I, I, he's allegedly there's one photo where he's standing in front of a, a de 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 devilish figure. And I don't know if that's a, 
AI or copy paste or a is that with Marina picture. Abramovich? Yeah, that's right. We did he really yes. do that? Yes, Gosh. that's a real picture. Wow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they they did they did tend to th th there's rather a lot of satanic imagery around the Rothschilds. That is actually a fact, shockingly enough. Let me ask you this because I'm really interested. Mm -hmm. and I do want to get some insight into the whole issue of deep state. D mm. Does every country have a deep state? Do we in England have a deep state? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, as said, I mean, if you go to um, there's a website get set up by former Guardian writers, you know, who don't trap talk about the Rothschilds and so on. They, again, they don't talk about the business elite, but they'll they'll tell you the deep state consists of MI6, uh, the diplomatic corps, uh, and they will tell you that it's the foreign office and maybe the cabinet office. And they are the ones who run this country because they're permanent officials. And I mean, I think the intelligence agencies probably bug all our calls and uh, film all our movements, I mean, either through mobile phones or like Hancock, who was sacked, you know, the other year, maybe he overstepped a line or something because he was filmed and they released that CCTV footage of him right. snogging his girlfriend. Uh, right? Oh, well, wait a sec. So you're suggesting that it would be the deep state who would release such footage? It could be. I'm not saying I don't know. No one's whispered in Fair my point. ear, but I'm just saying it's a reasonable assumption that we've got that people are controlled we, we don't need to go to epstein island and sleep with underage girls for for you to be controlled i mean if if um the intelligence agencies um, can monitor and hack into every cctv camera and they could capture someone on the toilet or something and leak it you know if they want to destroy right. someone's career right. so it's not impossible that the reason why we have this completely incompetent political elites is that they're completely controlled by fear of what might be revealed. It's speculation. Right. But I mean, now if we're going to World War Three, we have to ask who who's doing this? Is it Rothschild uh, bribing people because they have some ancestral relationship of loathing Russia? Is it the intelligence agencies? Is it the arms industry? I don't know. I mean, maybe it's all those things. Uh, I don't mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm. I, mean, I, I think we've, we we have seen some evidence of what you're talking about. Nadine Doris, uh, Doris former uh, member of parliament, she wrote a book. She wrote a book about how these shadowy men it, it, it operate around the cabinet office and they decide who's going to be prime minister, not the public. Yeah, and and yeah. so that's what you're talking about, isn't it? That sort of thing. Well, and, and in fact, I didn't, and it might not be a negative thing. I mean, I wonder, I think Lynn uh, Truss, uh, during a brief premiership, was actually the one, I think it was the British who did it, Nord Stream. I mean, it smells of a British operation, that's all I can say. Ooh. Because the British have a powerful uh, boat, boat service, the SBS and divers and so on. I think so. That's. I've seen some blogs speculate about it. Again, I, don't, I, I couldn't talk for a half an hour about this, but, you know, let's say that, and I think that uh, the deep state got her out. I think it was one of her permanent secretaries, uh, because she was kind of over, she was actually going to war, you know. So in fact, maybe the deep state was a good, doing a good thing there, although her populist approach was democratic. But in t in terms of security policy, maybe that's what did her in, you know. So I mean, I, I don't necessarily think that the deep state, but definitely they think that they're the wise people who who run the right. world in our better interest. And people in democracies don't know, you know, as Churchill said. Uh, a conversation with the average voter for five minutes swears you off the concept of democracy. But then, yeah, I think <laughs> you also said democracy is the best system we have, you know, or bar everything else. So uh, I won't automatically say that the deep state is always evil, but it's it's definitely it's a useful concept to describe pe people who 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 think that uh, 
they run the world and that they shouldn't require democratic interference. It's a very, yeah, right. we, we can talk back and forth about it without being too specific about who, who belongs Interesting. to Interesting. So the power behind the power. Uh, basically, yeah. And I think that uh, the deep state is the power behind the, the throne and it, all democracies should discuss it because our democracies seem broken. We pull the lever and nothing happens. Right. And so we should talk about it much more often and it should be mainstreamed in our discourse. Uh, I yeah. completely agree with you. And I hope this is going to be the start of many conversations with you because I feel yeah. that this is something really to be unpacked. And the thing is, we need to know the influences that are operating in the background because they're influencing our life. They're influencing public policy. Right. So we have That's every right. right to know. Thank you so much for joining me this morning. I greatly Thank appreciate you, it. You can catch Great. Pele later. What time's your show? Is it midday? It, it midday uh, UK time, one o'clock European Midday time. UK time. Unmissable. Absolutely. Right. Thank you so much for joining us we will be back pleasure take good care of yourself we'll be back shortly give me a minute with tnt radio's steve malsberg if you tuned into one of the three major cable networks on saturday night at 7 p.m when the polls closed in south carolina to see how long it would take for donald trump to be declared the winner well let's just say you better have been on time the polls have now closed at 7 p.m we are waiting to see whether we will have a call in one direction or another or a too early to call. That has been the case in a few of the contests we've had. And as you can see there, and I'm learning this as I see it on your screen myself, we do have a call. We have projected a winner at polls closing. That was MSNBC, CNN was even faster in calling the race. Polling places are about to close in South Carolina. Five seconds left in the GOP presidential primary fight between Donald Trump and Nikki Haley. And right now, we can make a major projection. CNN projects that Donald Trump will win the South Carolina Republican primary, defeating former South Carolina Governor Nikki Haley in her home state. And Fox News was just as quick. It is 7 p.m. here on the East Coast and the polls are officially closed in the state of South Carolina. Good evening, I'm Brett Baer. And good evening, everybody. I'm Martha McCallum, live here at Fox News headquarters in New York for our special coverage of the South Carolina Republican primary. And the Fox News decision desk can now project that former President Donald Trump will win the state's GOP primary. Yes, all in all, a good night for Trump, very bad night for Nikki Haley in her own home state. Thanks for giving me a minute. I'm Steve Malsberg. Catch my show Monday through Friday, 9 p.m. Eastern, right here on TNT. Right, I've got cancer. I've been trying to tell the rest of you, but no one's listening. And I don't just mean you, ears, eyes. Would you look in the damn toilet for once? Hands, roll those sleeves and take a sample. And legs, trot off to the doctor to get me looked at. Because bowel cancer can be successfully treated when detected early. Now look who's finally woken up. This is the Sonia Poulton Show on today's News Talk TNT. Well, Pele has got you all talking there out there in the world. And uh, just a bloke who asked questions says Pele is right. The Ukraine-Russian conflict was long in the planning. Peter Folder said, that's spooky. Satan calling his legions. Shin said, now this is interesting. The French press haven't gone big on it. We're in France. We didn't know. So we don't have TV, but still... 
expletive, expletive. Uh, that's interesting that uh, someone in France is not even aware of it. Isn't that, that's, I think I find that so interesting. Anyway, listen, moving on, moving on, moving on. Yes, lovely Pele, they're saying in the live chat. Absolutely. He's brilliant, isn't he? I am delighted to be joined by somebody else who shines by their brilliance. He is a, well, a former paramedic. I've, uh, I don't know if you could see him at this moment in time, but he's laughing at that suggestion and I have no idea why. His name is Matt Taylor, a.k.a. Matt the Medic. I've interviewed Matt a number of times. He is an absolutely brilliant chap because I, I love people who are prepared to put their head above the parapet and he has been prepared to do that. Hello, Matt. Welcome. Thank you for joining oh, yeah. us today. My, my pleasure. Long time no see. I know. Indeed. Absolutely brilliant to have you with us because, of course, you. you are a former paramedic. 12 years and uh -huh. you made this fantastic video in which you were basically refuting almost everything that has been said in that ghastly TV drama, Breathtaking. But one thing that I think you found most egregious was the suggestion in that drama that people were left to die in the back of ambulances because paramedics wouldn't even give them, you know, life-saving or, you know, anything like that. What did you think of that scene? Well, I was, I, I completely tried to avoid the whole drama when I saw it flying about just because I didn't want to get sucked into it. But then uh, Anna de Bisseray retweeted a scene um, where they're in the back of the ambulance and the paramedics were stood there and the doctor was saying, why not doing CPR? Uh, and, and that it just spoiled my, uh, you know, <laughs> proverbial, to be honest with you, because I was just I, I don't know of any frontline clinician, uh, you know, ambulance, paramedic, technician, ECA um, that would just stand there and refuse to do CPR um, through lack of uh, PPE, especially when they were stood there with um, the, the masks on anyway, maybe not the FFP3s, but they still had masks on. Um, and I just think it was a, just a, a gross. Um, it was a lie. It was an absolute lie. So I set about asking, I'm in a group with a lot of paramedics. Um, so I just put the question to them and said, guys, did this happen? And um, it took a few days to get some responses back. And then obviously I read that message out. Um, all these videos that seem to go viral of me are just me sitting there thinking, right, I'm doing a video because I don't want to be at the forefront of all of this sort of stuff. But I think sometimes people just skirt around the stuff that needs to be said and don't actually say it. But it was a lie. It was an absolute lie. Um, now, unfortunately, Unfortunately, there were, there were some that um, allegedly said that they wouldn't do CPR if they didn't have the correct PPE, but I don't know of any that actually realistically didn't. I know of a few that were told off for, for not wearing PPE and doing CPR because that's the type of people that uh, emergency staff are, um, but I don't know of anybody that would physically just stand there and um, just allow someone to, to perish because they, they were scared they'd um, maybe get a virus that they were allegedly you know, protected from. In fact, what you said to me in March 2022, you even addressed this issue because it was already being said. And you said, I've actually got your quote. You said that a hospital staff didn't discriminate against people coming into A&E. They were treating people as best as they humanly could. Whereas we were fed a story really of a horrendous story. And I do think that to a degree, some of it's true because we know that people like cancer patients, for example, were being put to the back of the queue and not being attended to. But in general, it was your experience that hospital staff and paramedics were just doing the very best they could in the situation. 
Well, one thing I found and noticed is when you work in frontline in the community out, out and about, you know, in the real world, you get guidance and guidelines, but society doesn't fit in nicely to these guidelines and policies. So you have to tiptoe around it the best you can to fit this current situation that you're in. Now, when you're working in hospital, everything is quite regimented because you're in a hospital. So it's easy to keep everything within the guidance and policy. Uh, and if you do ask too many questions, there's lots of consultants or senior officials that will just smash you down and keep you where you are. Whereas when you're a paramedic or emergency um, clinician, you're on your own. So you have to make those decisions on your own. <clears throat> so it's easier for us to deviate from policy than, than some of the um, hospital staff. But um, that doesn't mean they still can't question the guidance and, and things like that. And, and I know everybody, there's a big discussion about whether there really was a virus or, or not. But I have colleagues that worked in a &E at the beginning, throughout and still work there at the time. Uh, and, and they said at the time it didn't matter whether there was. There were still people coming in with symptoms that they'd not seen that they couldn't seem to reverse or, or make better. So they were just trying to keep their heads above water. Uh, and they openly admitted that they didn't know what they were doing. They weren't getting good guidance. But I do know of several clinicians that promoted themselves and did further study to work in A&E. They were taking ET tubes out of patients underneath plastic sheets and then going home to their pregnant wives. So I get really angry when people say things like you allowed you know, and I've come under some fire saying you're sticking up for the doctors. It's like I'm not sticking up for the doctors because we all know the ones that, that said the right things and the ones that said the bad things. I'm trying to let people know that there are some people who work in care that still do care. And um, yes. if it was to happen again, they would have the same stance. It's just very yeah. difficult because people need a scapegoat. Well, I, I, that is exactly it, really, isn't it? But but Matt, you were there for 12 years. Why did you, and, and from everything that I uh, had conversation with you before, I got the impression you loved your job. Why did you leave a job you loved? Because I was a square peg trying to fit in a round hole, which has been the story of my life, I think. And I don't suffer fools easily. Having been in the military, I find it really difficult to ignore incompetence and just not ask questions when I'm being asked to do something stupid. Um, and before this rolled out, I was fast asleep, I suppose. Um, and it was only when I was being exposed to what was going on and I saw a different side of people's characters uh, that I was a bit like, hang on a minute, I, I seem to be working with loads of psychopaths that are in charge of caring for people. Uh, and I just found it really difficult to find someone that genuinely wanted to care um, and would and would put their, their virtues and morals and stuff before their payments for their cars and things like that. And it's just, I just realised I was working in an environment with really horrible people. Mm, that's awful, isn't it? Not everybody it's minds. Awful. Not everybody no, minds. There are some I, that care. I understand. Yeah, no, I understand. I've encountered, you know, very good medics. And But so here's the thing, right? So it's like four years now, 2024, you know, obviously even 2020. We've had four years of the truth slowly surfacing. What changes have you seen? Well, okay. So first of all, we'll start with the bad and then we'll finish on the good. Um, oh. When this all started, I was told, and we, we discussed it when we were trying to raise awareness for the cytokine storms and the antibody dependent enhancement syndromes of the manufacturing of the spike proteins. We said in the next few years, we might start experiencing deaths and weird illnesses. Uh, and then what will happen is we'll talk about it. Then we'll hear people talking about it. Then we'll know people that it's happened to. And now we're in a position now where I think most people know someone that they're quite close to that has suffered something you could, that would warrant an investigation as to whether it was caused by, you know, the jab and, and other bits and pieces. So we're at that point now. Obviously, we've got excess deaths. There's debate still out there. There's enough signals to warrant an investigation into what's going on. And the fact that they're ignoring it 
causes me concern because in medicine, if there's any signals that are causing harm, you look into them because if it's potentially something you can reverse and stop, then obviously you would. So the only reason I can think that they're ignoring it is because they know. So open discussion has been a lot better now than it was. You can talk about the jab and the effects of it and someone having problems without being labeled an anti-vaxxer or conspiracy theorist. Unfortunately, it still happens. And I think that's happening through people that have got a little bit of buyer's regret. But from our perspective, those that try to warn people, we just need to make sure that we don't segregate those people and just say, well, you made your decision. We tried to warn you because that's not the type of society we want to try and bring for everybody. We need to bring everybody together so then we can turn it around and then start holding the government account to what's going on, which are the real people. Well, it's interesting you say that we've now got to a stage where where most people know someone. That's absolutely true. And yesterday we obviously had Graham um, Atkinson who joined us, you know, pharmacist and also a whistleblower. Really very distressing story. His mum had died the day before and he wanted to come on because he said he doesn't want the last four years to repeat. But the response was quite phenomenal. And I, I have a thread on X where people were just relaying the most horrendous stories. My father died, you know, 24 hours after the just horrendous stories. And Graham actually tweeted to do with you this morning and coming on the show. And he said, paramedics and nurses are showing the way for doctors, paramedics speaking the truth of what they have seen over the last four years will help blow apart the government's false narratives. When will the doctor's wall of silence crumble? And that's interesting, isn't it? So are you seeing more people speaking out, Matt? Yeah, 100 percent. I mean, in certain groups, and I think it's more, and I don't like to say it, but the normies, the normal people, <laughs> the NPCs, the non-player characters, they're slowly having this information shoved into their faces because they're experiencing deterioration in their health. Doctor surgeries are ridiculously busy. Hospitals are ridiculously busy. There's no respite like there usually is in this, uh, you know, as we're coming into spring. Um, and, you know, you, you, you can only get hit in the spade so many times before you start asking, why am I being hit in the face of the spade? So, <laughs> so there's, a, you know, people are burying their head in the sand, but as, you know, the water's coming in and, you know, you, you've got to come out and ask the questions. But yes, I'm seeing a lot more of it, but then it could be that it's just one of those things where it's being exposed and discussed more. So they'll always have a counter argument for this, I think, which is yes. the, the difficult scenario. Yes. But I think um, we need to just remain focused on what it is that we're trying to achieve here. Yeah, I completely agree with you. There's a lot of division, which is unfortunate as well. But there are still mm. lies that need to be unpacked, right? We were told that the NHS was overwhelmed, but they had all of these Nightingale hospitals that were empty. And in your video, you you actually blow that wide apart. You're saying that the hospitals were empty, essentially. Well, so the A&E departments were not empty. And this is the frustrating thing because it was uh, people were going into... Um, day wards or uh, uh, can't remember the thing of impatience um so those sorts of things would have been stopped um because they were routine procedures so they would have been quiet but a and e's were horrendously busy so that was where i i felt we were we were trying to show something that wasn't really happening because there were sick people regardless of whether you think there was a virus or not there were sick right. people dying right um and and you know i spoke to my friends throughout this and 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 um, this is why i say this because there were people dying whether it was 5g 17g you know whatever right. it that's was that's the thing matt that people i mean people have to allow for the fact that that there was something that was tangible that could be observed and it is possible that something was put into the atmosphere that is not an impossible thought right anything is not possible now and this is this is the scary thing i think what people do is when you discuss something people think it's your belief system when it's not you're just chewing the fat 
Like it's having a conversation with someone about flat earth. It doesn't mean I think the world is flat. I'm just having a conversation. And the problem is yeah. now is if you seem to have these conversations, then people think that's your belief system. So then you get branded an anti-vaxxer or conspiracy theorists. And it's like, no, we need to be having these discussions because the more we talk about it, the more it becomes you know, common knowledge and, and spoken about, and the more we can do things about it. Because all it takes is the one person, the right person to be able to go, oh, actually, no, I work in this department. And you know, as we're seeing now, people are coming forward. Clarks are coming forward, telling us how many people they inputted in for the death certificates with regards to how many we put on with COVID when they know that they're admitted with other things. So slowly and slowly people are, are coming out. But I've got so much information that's happened that I was exposed to, but it's I'd need a, a good long session to talk about it with people because it's it's really difficult to get into these things in depth without boring people to tears. But and no, I understand you know, you're far from a boring person, Matt. Far from it. But I think you know, the thing is, obviously, there's lots of there's, there's things that are still happening as a consequence of them. We cannot ignore the issue of excess deaths. And it was notable that yesterday, I don't know if you noticed in the Australian Parliament, it would appear that the Australian Parliament is the first parliament in the world to acknowledge excess deaths. Thank you to Senator Babette, which hopefully I'd like to get on the show because I think that's quite phenomenal, the acknowledgement of that, because they're fastidiously trying to deny it in the British Parliament, aren't they? Well, we're a lot sneakier. We're a lot older, aren't we? We've been doing this way, way, way longer than anybody else. So we know how to do this, how to do this. We kind of wrote the book on, uh, you know, subtly doing things. In the military, we would take off our helmets when patrolling because it, it seemed less aggressive if we just had hats on. Hearts and minds when you're walking around with a machine gun. It just doesn't compute, you know. But anyway, the BS baffles your brains. Um, but uh, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where we just have to stay focused and stay positive on what's going on. But there are still lies. And um, that's what makes it so difficult. But in England, we just raised the, the, the baseline for excess deaths and then poof, it's all gone. So, yes. you know, whereas Australia have done a complete U-turn because they were pretty much a Nazi state for quite a while during COVID. Um, so it's good that they're switching it around now and actually, um, you know, but I bet they're cursing themselves that they didn't think about raising the baseline beforehand. Right, be exactly. And it's interesting. Yesterday, I noted that our producer, Charlotte, she put a clip online from the Lembit OPIC show on TNT in which Anne Widdicombe, a former Conservative Member of Parliament, is saying categorically that governments didn't compel anybody to take the jabs. Matt, I find uh, talking about lies, they did everything, didn't they? They coerced, they blackmailed, they bribed, they all but mandated it for health and care workers. I mean, that those are those are the sort of lies we have to unpack, right? Well, this is the thing. This is why more people need to come forward, because I sat there in a meeting and had my manager and my HR manager tell me in February, if I didn't have my first jab by a certain date, I'd be dismissed on the 1st of April. So that's what, you know, and then and then because I wasn't jabbed, even though I was doing lateral flows, I was refused entry into care homes because so they were refusing to allow people in to give care. So you tell me, you know, and this is the problem because the government can absolve themselves. Go, well, we just put these policies in place and it was up to the establishment managers how they managed it and how they did it. And because care homes are private, they can they kind of have a right of admission reserve sort of policy. And it just put this. No one knew where they stood. And this is why we need right. to go away and start understanding right. what our basic human rights are so we can not stop this sort of thing from sliding into to, to existence again. Because if we knew what we how we should and shouldn't be treated by a government. We would never have allowed this stuff to happen in the first Absolutely. place. Absolutely. 
you know. Absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more. This has been Tuesday's Can't Believe It's on your Poulton Show. It's Whizzed Pass. That is Matt the Medic giving us some truths about what has been going on during the COVID years. Ignore breathtaking. Check out people like Matt online. Absolutely worth it. That's where you're going to get the truth of the issue. I want to thank everybody who has contributed to today's show. You are all truly wonderful. We will see you tomorrow. Stick around because we have so many great shows on TNT, including the wonderful Abby Roberts next. Take excellent care of yourself and have a magnificent Tuesday. See you tomorrow.